Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome. Welcome. Episode 45 in the Looks Past podcast presented by WRSN.com. We want to thank you for tuning in. You could be listening to anything in the world, but you're here with us. We appreciate that. I'm your host, Frank Santos, who is waiting for Tim Tebow to pull off the failure trifecta and have a rebounding clinic in his hopes to become an NBA power forward. And I have my co-host with me, Andy Flynn. Flynn, what was good? Man, I just want to give a shout-out to that new NBA 2K17. It looks fantastic. Yeah, I'm definitely going to cop that sooner rather than later. So if you didn't read the title of the podcast episode, we are continuing our positional drafts. We've already done the point guard and shooting guards. Those are you know, in the archives, if you want to go listen to them, we thought we did a pretty good job with them. So today we're doing our small forward draft. For those of you that don't know what this is, basically Andy and I's creative way of doing rankings. We take all the small forwards, we throw them in a pool, and we draft them 1 to 30. We've done this four years consecutively. We used to write for a sports website together. This is the second year we're bringing it to the podcast level. So basically we go 30 to 1. Um, I had first pick in the small forward, so all the odd number picks, are mine all of the even number picks are Andy's so what we do is we're going to go 30 through 16 we're going to stop talk about a couple of guys we want to talk about go 15 through 6 do the same thing and then we're going to discuss the top five all right so ready got it good go all right so number 30 is and we're going to talk about the fact that we have 30 and 29 together are kind of a unique thing that I don't think Andy and I have ever done in the draft before they're both rookies number 30 Brandon Ingram Number 29, Ben Simmons. Number 28, P.J. Tucker. 27, MKG. When everybody falls off the bandwagon, I'll still be there for you, buddy. Uh, Number 26, Marcus Morris. 25, Wilson Chandler. 24, Aaron Gordon. 23, Otto Porter Jr. 22, Joe Johnson. 21, Trevor Ariza. 20, Justice Winslow. 19, Danilo Gallinari. 18, Luol Deng. 17, Kent Bazemore. Or 17, Damari Carroll. And 16, Kent Bazemore. So let's pause. Because the first thing we wanted to talk about is two rookies as 30 and 29. 29 was my pick, Ben Simmons. Um, So real quick, what I wanted to say is here are the names I had, because I actually had Ben Simmons higher. I had him like 26, I believe. Um, Here are the names I had behind him. C.J. Miles, P.J. Tucker, Shabazz Muhammad, and Boyan Bogdanovich. I can't really see wanting any of those guys over Simmons even this year. All of their games have such like inherent flaws that I – think even just for this season, you'd want Simmons just because of what he could do on the court. Uh, I mean, Simmons also has an all-around game, unlike these guys who have inherent flaws, even if I worry how he's like going to score in the NBA. I mean, that's a minor detail, legitimate concern, but I still feel like I'd rather have Ben Simmons over these guys. What do you think, Andy? Well, I think for and Ingram share the unique quality of being guys that I have in my 1 through 30. I just had them to the side and then decisions were made later. Um, you know, and I thought about Sims a few times before you took him at 29 as well because he's he's obviously going to be better than some of these guys. And just to drop a few, I had guys like uh, Robert Covington and Jack, these guys down the list right in that same area. So I think the good I do believe that Ingram and Simmons, especially Simmons, are both going to be 
guys who contribute better than, you know, 10 to 15 of these other guys, you know, who could have been considered for the last couple of months. Yeah, I mean, I, I just think the, the big thing for me is once you got down towards the bottom of the list, it really showed you how thin the small forward like list really is. Because, I mean, I had Ben Simmons higher because we're going to talk about this as well because it is one of our, our topics for the social media time. We'll get that in a little bit. But I didn't have Joe Johnson on my list. So, I mean, all that considered, you just see Simmons just leapfrogging all of these other guys that really – I mean, even a guy like MKG, I mean, I I love MKG, so I believe in him, but I wouldn't be mad if somebody took Ben Simmons over MKG because what really has MKG shown in the NBA thus far that says that he's better than Ben Simmons? I mean, he's mostly had injury concerns and an inconsistent jumper, so I wouldn't be even mad at that. But like I'm saying, I, I think one thing you learn from this is that the the small forward position is really thin when you get out of the top 20. I mean, I think 20 through 40 is like a bunch of similar people. Well, I think with the small forward too, it's the position, one of the positions on the court that hasn't necessarily changed. And by that, I mean, we see the point guard has changed dramatically over the past couple of decades. Right. For yeah, being that's, a that's a one of those well. positions it's one of those positions where if you're not a centerpiece player like LeBron James or Kevin Durant or Kawhi Leonard, you kind of end up falling into this position where you might be a forward. Some of these guys we talk about, Tobias Harris or uh, Marcus Morris or even Aaron Gordon, these guys, it's almost like a positionless, uh, a positionalist uh, position. You know, it's one of those weird things. Smooth transition. Yeah, smooth transition because the next guy we want to talk about is Aaron Gordon, one of the guys we just said. Um, that's that's your guy. You picked him at 24. He's your guy also because you're a Magic fan, and he happens to be on the Orlando Magic. We put him in the small forward category because, like you're saying, he is kind of, and we're going to get to this when I talk about him, he is kind of the, that tweener kind of guy. But also, Serge Ibaka is on his team. Nick Vucevic is on his team. So they're both obviously going to start and going to start at the forward slash center position. Thus, Aaron Gordon, you're now small forward, whether you like it or not. So, Andy, what do you think about Aaron Gordon? Why'd you take him here at 24? I mean, I think with Aaron Gordon, he, he loves personally the fact that he's going to play the small forward. I think he wants to have the ball in his hands. And I think when you have an like Gordon, you uh, a raw player with much, you know, ability and a high ceiling because of his athleticism and stuff like that and his willingness to play defense and get after people. Plus he can probably guard four positions on the court. But it's really his his knack for rebounding and then pushing the pace. You know that's a valuable thing in this league from any position, and a lot of teams do like to have a point forward. So it's really going to come down to can he cut it? Because handling the ball is different than just simply now you have a little more dribbling responsibility. You have to make decisions now, and that's a big thing. I think that's the hill you have to get over when you're put into this position. I think I'm going to make a – and it's partially next year, falling top ten forward. Whoa. Wait, wait, wait. It works Andy, well. So you just, you just, it's either work you just broke up on me. I'm not going to work it all. But I want to, I want to make sure that I heard you correctly because you, you broke up on me a little bit when you were talking. Did you say that Aaron Gordon's going to be a top ten small forward next season? Either a top ten small forward or he's on the power forward list because it either works great or it doesn't work at all. Oh, I see. Okay, so so it's more and, of and a, the small forward it's, list it's is a weak. risk reward kind of thing. 
Yeah, no, no, that's true. I mean, but top ten, you're putting him over guys like, well, I was going to say you're putting him over guys like Nick Batum, but I, I suppose that's not really that far fetched. Um, I, even though I love Nick Batum, we're going to get to it. But uh, Gordon reminds me of, uh, of why back in the day, and by back in the day, I mean like five years ago, people didn't like to draft quote unquote tweeners. Um, now you think of tweeners now, you think of a guy like Draymond, and then that more gets reinvented as versatile. Like like you were saying about Gordon, you know, oh, he can uh, guard four positions, which which may be true, but um, Gordon brings kind of the negative connotation because he has the athleticism of the three, but the build of a four, but the game of a three, but he doesn't have a jumper, so he's kind of a four, but he doesn't have the post moves or the defense of a four, so he kind of has to be a three. And li- like I said, you know, Serge Ibaka and Nick Vucevic are his team, so he kind of has no choice to be a three. But I-, I guess what I'm getting at is I have no idea what Aaron Gordon is. I don't know if he's a three or a four. I think you bring up a good point about his dribbling ability and his ability to handle the ball kind of makes him three. But at the same time, I think of a guy like Blake Griffin, who has great handles, but he's also clearly a power forward. And I mean, obviously, uh, if Aaron Gordon ends up anything like Blake Griffin, I think uh, Andy might just jump out of his house in-, in joy and maybe break a rib or something like that. But, you know, I, I just don't know. I don't know about Aaron Gordon. Uh, I wouldn't have taken him this high at 24. Um, I think he was a little lower on my list. But I certainly understand, especially for the potential. And, and like we're saying, you know, the guys behind him, it's sort of like, oh, you, you think he's better than Wilson Chandler? Sure. I mean, I guess so. Yeah, no, I, I think he fits perfectly in the area where he landed. Yeah, all right. So, so uh, we're going to get to our social media dime before we move on to uh, sixteen or 15 through 6 today. So our social media dime for this week is um, Joe Johnson. If you don't know, the social media dime is if you don't follow us on social media at NLP Podcast on Twitter or Facebook.com slash NLP Pod. First of all, we don't know what's wrong with you. Stop sniffing glue. Second of all, we post things almost daily, you know, different debates, different things that we find interesting, we want your opinion on. And then essentially the one that gets the most interaction, Andy and I bring it on the show, and we're going to talk about our opinion about it, what we, what we think is the right answer to the question. So this week's social media dime was about Joe Johnson's role in Utah. He signed a two-year, $22 million deal, but the Jazz already have a good amount of talent at the shooting guard slash small forward spot, whatever you want to call Joe Johnson. I mean, the wing spot, essentially. Um, the Jazz have plenty of young talent at it already. So the question that we pose is what kind of minutes are you expecting from Joe Johnson this season? And should he be getting minutes over these younger guys? The the place for him is sixth man. Personally, I think 25 to 28 minutes a game, he gets you 10 points, four assists, four rebounds. That's ideal. He helps your young swings like Rodney Hood and uh, Burks and even Gordon Hayward grow. But I think a lot of these depth charts show, you know, like a log jam at shooting guard with Hayward, Hood, and Burks. I think, obviously, you play Hayward at the small. You play Hood at the two with Burks off the bench, and then Joe Johnson comes in, and he can relieve Gordon, or he can play some of the shooting guard, too. You have an extra ball handler. But I don't think they should be pushing him over 30 minutes. I think 33 last year. That's a bit – but a nice piece. I do like this move for Utah. So – Full disclosure, Joe didn't make my list uh, on small forwards, as I said already, because as a Nets fan who's watched him over the years, even if he's Joe Jesus, which is what Nets Nation calls him, you can call me Frank Judas because he's falling off a cliff this year. I'm convinced of it. Everything I've seen from Joe Johnson, I I know his game pretty well. And I watched him in Miami and in a limited – like he had a a more limited role, which I think was more conducive to the kind of player that he is now. Um, I mean, essentially he was like a a corner three shooter in in Miami and he did a couple of other things, but – 
Um, it, it just the the way I've seen Joe Johnson's game progress is that he really doesn't have like Joe Johnson used to be bigger than people and he had that little one handed floater and it's just so inconsistent now and I don't know another way he's going to score aside from shooting threes and in the playoffs last year he really just couldn't hit a three to save his life. Um, I honestly have him as the ninth guy in the Jazz rotation in in my opinion. Uh, I see guys like Hill, Hood, Hayward, or as I'm calling them, Triple H, shout out to the WWE in like the 1990s, early 2000s. Uh, and then Favors, Gobert, that's your starting five, in my opinion. And then off the bench, I see Burks, Lyles, and Exum, who should all be getting minutes over Joe Johnson. So I know you said six-man, and I think that's going to be more what he's going to be, only because I don't think Joe Johnson signs in Utah to be the ninth man in the rotation. I think there is some sort of like guarantee there between the organization and a guy like Joe Johnson. Like, if you sign with our team, you're going to get X amount of minutes. You're going to play this role. And I think that role is, like you're saying, more six-man or, I don't maybe even a starter. I don't see it, but maybe. But in my opinion, like, Burks is a better player than him right now. Exum, you got to see what you have in Dante Exum because you took him with the fourth pick, and he's coming off an injury. So I want to see what he has. And he's a combo guard, so I feel like you can play him with George Hill or with Alec Burks. You can play that guard rotation or with Rodney Hood. And then Lyles, I mean, was a nice guy, you know, last year, rookie, younger guy, and I want to see him in a more extended role over giving Joe Johnson 25 to 30 minutes a game. So you broke up on me a little bit, Andy. I just think once you're the Jazz and you've made the decision to bring in Joe Johnson, you, you know, you have to ride this now. You have to hope he's going to give you whatever you thought to say is it's got to be something like 10, four and four or else why even do it? But 35 years old, I, I still think he has a little in the tank. Maybe the Miami thing was a little bit of just that quick change of scenery uh, playing, you know, bad basketball in Brooklyn. That's kind of tough too, but I, I don't know. I, I think Johnson's going to be okay. I saw a lot of people on Facebook saying he's like Paul Pierce from a couple years ago. I think that's inaccurate. I think Pierce played five years too long. Um, I, I think Joe will be all right. <laughs> Damn. Five, five years too long for Paul Pierce. I was thinking maybe like two or three, but I mean, I guess so. Uh, I actually think the Paul Pierce comparison is probably a good case scenario for like when Paul Pierce went to maybe Washington. I think he was pretty good that year for, for them and kind of hit clutch shots. I think that'd be a, a good expectation for Joe in Utah if he can do that. And in saying that, now now that I think about it out loud, I mean, if nothing else, Joe is still one of the more clutch players in the league. So if you're putting him in, I mean, the problem with this scenario is if you're putting Joe Johnson in in late-game situations, that means you're taking one of your young guys out. I mean, I think, I don't know who it would be. It would probably be Rodney Hood, and that's kind of, you know, not good for his game if Rodney Hood isn't there in those clutch situations because he is going to be the future of Utah. Like, I think of the Timberwolves in Andrew Wiggins' rookie season, they were just kind of like, well, we're not going to win anyway, so there's one possession left, Andrew Wiggins. Let's see what you got in clutch situations. Not because we think that we need this win, but because we want to see, we want to give you the practice for this situation. So if Joe Johnson's taking that opportunity from a lot of the other players, even a guy like Gordon Hayward, I, I think it's kind of, you know, detrimental to the Utah Jazz overall kind of progression. Well, I think it's a playoff move. I think they believe they need this vet presence and a little depth. And I think I think Utah does expect themselves to be a, a playoff contender this season. So, I mean, that that's reasonable as well. So, let's move on. We're going 15 through 6 um, on our small forward list. We have number 15, Tobias Harris. Number 14, Harrison Barnes. 13, Rudy Gay. 
12, Chandler Parsons, 11, Jake Crowder, 10, Nick Batum, 9, Andre Iguodala, 8, Andrew Wiggins, 7, Giannis Adetokounmpo, and 6, the aforementioned Gordon Hayward. So we are going to start first with my guy, uh, number 11, Jay Crowder, who Andy was shocked that I took him here, I'm pretty sure, and I'm expecting it to be Andy's most surprising pick for me. But let's just look at the big picture for a second for me. The three guys he was taken ahead of all had subpar seasons last season in Parsons, Gay, and Barnes. And I just don't like Parsons or Gay, period. They both have the same quality to me. I really dislike in a player, especially for somebody as young as Parsons. Uh, they don't seem to add anything to their game from season to season. At this point, like I said, Rudy Gay is Rudy Gay. You know what you're getting. You're getting bad shots. You're getting no stat lines in the locker room, and you're getting minimal defense. We, we already know that. that that's fine. I, I accept that. I understand that, and you should too. If you're signing Rudy Gay, you're picking him in a small forward draft. But for Parsons, I just never see – the thing that bothers me is at the beginning of the season, I never look and say, like, oh, wow, Chandler Parsons looks like he's been in the gym, or look, Chandler Parsons has a step-back jump shot now, or – you know, look, he's added this new thing to his game that I haven't seen in the last four years that I've seen Chandler Parsons. It just seems like he thinks that he's good enough as he is, and he just continues to, like, work on what he's good at already and doesn't add new things to his game. And that's, that really bothers me. Um, Harrison Barnes is a bit of a wild card for me in a new place. I don't know what kind of player Harrison Barnes is when he's not surrounded by superior talent. And then just to close, Crowder with top 30 in win shares this past season, six among small forwards with only guys like KD, LeBron, Kawhi, et cetera, over him. And he brings a balance on offense and defense. I mean, in Crowder you have consistency, overachieving, and just grittiness. And I'll take that guy 10 times in 10, Andy. Defend yourself. I, in, you're right. He is going to be because he and nope, Andy, you broke up you broke up on me again. Start start over about about Jay Crowder not being a, a top eleven small forward because uh he is. So I, I just I think if you look at the guys below him, Parsons, Gay, Barnes, uh Tobias Harris, those are four guys that I've probably been more critical of than anybody. And sure. I still I, I couldn't talk myself into Crowder over any of them. I mean maybe maybe in that mixture, I think he's definitely in that crowd. I think those are his people. That's who he hangs out with in the NBA. That's that's where I put him in that mix. I just I need to see it more than once. And I think that the hype of Boston has kind of led the fans to be like out in, you know, full effect shoving this Jay Crowder stuff, you know, down your throat. And I and I think he's a nice player. But I still, at the end of the day, found myself choosing these other guys over him, the Barnes, uh, Gay, Parsons, Harris. I just think those were the four guys for me, and, and I couldn't just bring myself to taking Jay Crowder over any of them. And, I mean, the playing time was up, obviously, in Boston ever since he got there uh, middle of the season before last. His playing time has been up, but I, I just – I don't know. I don't know if I trusted enough to take him above these other guys who have – know how I – Yeah, I mean – and I still that, that's, that's certainly fair. Yeah, that that's certainly fair. And I know you, you're you're still on the Rudy Gay bandwagon a little bit. Um, I also like your your group text analogy, the fact that uh, they all group text together. So I, I think that's that's a uh, pretty much true. I mean, I think you can have Jay Crowder, Chandler Parsons, Rudy Gay. I would love to see that group text. By the way, it'd probably be like Chandler Parsons taking selfies in a club at two a.m. and Rudy Gay like having a paper shredder with all the stat lines in it that shows his PER of like 12, even though he's supposed to be like the second best player on his team. So I, I think that'd be a cool group text. But at the same time, I also do not like defending as a net fan, the Celtics nation. It, it does kind of bother me now that you said that, that I'm like with them, like, yeah, you're right. Celtics fans. 
Jay Crowder is awesome. So that kind of bothers me now. But let's move on to your guy, um, Andrew Wiggins at number eight, which is where I had him, but I believe that you actually had him a little higher because I had Giannis over him, and I don't think that you did, if I remember correctly. So talk a little bit about Andrew Wiggins and, and where he landed on our list here. Yeah, no, I actually I had uh, Wiggins at eight as well. I had Giannis at seven. Um, oh, okay. I, I just think the, the reason I wanted to talk about Wiggins is because I think, you know, his, his stats kind of speak for himself. He's averaging 20 points a game. What people, I think people are just down on Wiggins. I've been people say not panning out, yada, 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 all this stuff. 22 years in the league, two years in the I mean, the kid can play. He's progressing nicely. Get out your head because that's the only reason you would have anything negative. I've just heard so much, and I want your take on this. How much negative talk have you heard about Andrew Wiggins, you know, over the past? As yeah. much as me? I mean, that. that Absolutely, and I, I we're going to agree wholeheartedly on this because I love Andrew Wiggins. I think the criticism has gone too far in the other direction for him. But, I mean, I just don't think he's better than Giannis right now. So Giannis' game is just more complete to me. I've seen him take over games at both ends. Wiggins can score. There's no doubt about that. Like you said, 20.7 points per game, two years in the league. And you may say that because Cat is there, he doesn't need to take over games. But in my opinion, he does. You know, Cat needs to know that he can take a backseat every now and then. I mean, if you want to put an extreme sort of similarity, and I've seen this before, you know, people laugh it off, but if you want to compare Cat and Wiggins to Shaq and Kobe back in the day, you know, like they had that trust among each other where Shaq knew, okay, I can kind of take a game off because Kobe's going to come and he's going to score 30 and he's going to get us out of here with the W. So I'm not saying that Cat and Wiggins are Shaq and Kobe by any means, but I'm just saying when you have a duo like that, each guy needs to kind of hold his weight. And right now, um, I don't know if Wiggins is that guy, but it really reminds me of a young Kevin Durant, which is a great sign for Wiggins. I just think he needs some, some NBA heartbreak, you know. He, he just needs to get into the playoffs and lose a series, and then he kind of, you know, you build that little bit of animosity towards people, towards the critics, and, you know, he just needs a little bit of Willy Wonka in his life. It's all there, black and white, clear as crystal. You get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir. That's, well that's all Andrew Wiggins needs in his life. That's all he needs in his life is just a little bit of losing, and then you come back the next season, you read all the tweets, you're saying people are saying that you suck, that you're not good enough, that they should trade you, whatever. And I think once that happens to Andrew Wiggins, he's going to be a stud. And, I mean, I think he's kind of a stud now, like you're saying. I think the criticism has gone way too far. You know, being, that being said, I also had him at number eight. You know, I have him over guys like Nick Batum, guys like Andre Iguodala, you know, the, the crowd that we talked about, you know, the, the group text. I think he's a great young small forward. I just don't think he's made that next leap to a superstar yet, which is not a problem because, like you're saying, he's only been in the league for two years. It's his third year in the league. So, I mean, how much do you want to expect out of the guy? Well, that's a difference. Oh, Andy, you broke up on me again. So, uh, of the world. And then the person's. I think that Wiggins and Antetokounmpo, you know, they go into the same category together, but they're clearly ahead of the next few guys. So that's really the thing. We have to stop judging guys that are 21 years old. We got to give, I mean, wait till he's 25. And we also have to stop right. negatively uh, criticizing guys who average 20 points a game <laughs> in the NBA. This is the NBA. 
what's what's wrong with this guy Andrew Wiggins? He 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 averages twenty points a game, but he's kind of a scrub for some reason. I don't know. You people that think Andrew Wiggins is a scrub need to just go somewhere with yourself. So let's get into the top five. Um, we're really actually not going to. I don't know if you want to, Andy, but we're. I'm. I don't want to really want to talk about the top five too much because I think it's kind of straightforward. Uh, number five, we have Melo. Number four, Paul George. Number three, Kawhi Leonard. Number two, Kevin Durant. Number one, LeBron James. I mean, LeBron James, I don't know how you can't have him number one at this point. Kevin Durant, I don't know how you can't have him number two at this point. There's a little, if you want to talk about Kawhi Leonard versus Paul George a little bit, we definitely could do that. But the one thing I wanted to talk about, because I do vividly remember this on your list, was you had Gordon Hayward as number five. I had Carmelo Anthony as number five. Thought about it a lot putting Gordon Hayward at number five, but at the end of the day, I just couldn't pull the trigger. Maybe a little bit of recent Olympics bias from me for Carmelo Anthony, but talk about why you had Gordon Hayward over Melo. I just think that they're two players who are similar enough statistically at this point, kind of the opposite points in their career. Hayward is uh, 26, I believe, 25, 26, I think he's 26. You know, he's had a handful of seasons in the league. He's, you know, clearly – probably the the leader of his young jazz team as where mellow is all these things the leader of his team he's had a little bit of a makeover to his team this year but he's you know he's older we're talking a guy who's like 33 and he's kind of winding down his career a little bit but uh, you know i don't mind carmelo ahead of gordon hayward i tell you the first time i did the list that's how i had it but at the end my my final copy was hayward at five I just think some of that relies on I think Hayward's going to continue to take steps, and I feel like this is the point in his career where he's going to be playing the best basketball of his life. Uh, and, and I think Melo with this new team is going to take even more of a step back statistically. That, that was really my argument. I think, it's, I think it's a great argument. I mean, I almost had it that way at the end of the day. Like I said, I ended up with going with Melo over him, but I think you bring up a great point. If you look at, like, if these guys were like a chart, you know what I mean, like a bar graph or something like that. I, I didn't take I didn't take math past high school, so I'm not really sure of the advanced statistic that I'm looking for. Um, but you'd have one guy trending up and the other guy trending down, kind of meeting in the middle. So and it's it's I think at the, this point at the end of last season it was sort of like I don't know if Gordon Hayward had left over Carlo Anthony yet. I don't think he had. But if you're going just based on the trend. I think you can say that Carmelo Anthony might decline a little bit more this season and Gordon Hayward might increase a little more this season and he might be over him by the end of the season, which is what we're doing the draft based on. So I don't think that's a bad argument. I think you can certainly make it. I almost made it to myself at the end of the day. I went with Carmelo Anthony just because, I, I don't know, he's he's, a scorer, he's one of the best scorers in the league. I like the new team around him. I think he might thrive with guys that are more established in the league and not really having to lead them. Like, you don't have to go in the locker room and be like, yo, Joe Kim Noah, like, we need to get this together because Joe Kim Noah already has his stuff together. He knows what he needs to do in order to be a competent NBA player. So I think Melo might thrive in that role where really all he needs to do is just go out there and score and be Carmelo Anthony. So in, in that sense, I had Melo over Hayward. I think you can make the argument either way. Did you want to talk about anybody else in the top five? Because I really don't feel like I – think, I think it's pretty straightforward the top four there. Yeah, no, that's – so I, I agree. Uh, so we're we're just going to go to the end, uh, Andy. Who is my surprising pick? We do this at the end of every draft. We we really we know each other's kind of rankings in, inside and out. Like I know the guys that Andy likes. Andy knows the guys that I like. So a lot of times the, the picks may surprise you, but they don't surprise us when when each other makes them. But who was my most surprising pick to you? 
Uh, honestly, I mean, we talked about and I, I did, but I, I really kind of think it was uh, you had uh, Danilo Gallinari in 1920. Yeah, I love Gallo. You didn't like Gallo? Yeah, I'm off that wagon. He and Wilson Chandler both oh. have been off my radar for like two years. Oh, wow. No, you, you, you're sleeping on Gallup. Uh, my most surprising pick for you was Kent Bazemore. Um, like I said, I, I'm pretty familiar with the, the players that you like or have confidence in, and I didn't know Bazemore was on that list. And then all of a sudden you took him at 16 among small forwards, and I was like, oh, wow, Kent Bazemore. There he, there he is. He was like 24 on my list, and you just like popped out with him at 16. So that, that, that little, definitely surprised me. I liked his season last year. I feel like I found myself watching too many Hawks games, and he really impressed me in spurts. I, I think he's a nice energy player. He can make the three. He's, he's athletic. He's fast. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I really like Kevin Baysmore. I just I didn't know that you liked him that much. Uh, so we're going to move on to the end of our show. Like Jay-Z once said, we don't believe you. You need more people, and somebody always fits that mold. Andy, who needed more people this week in the NBA? It's not the NBA. America, you need more people. Who cares when you see them on TV? If you really care that much, get involved. Cheap. <laughs> He went with the whole country. America, you need more people. Um, I am I am sticking with my one from last week. I'm going with Mitch Kubchak. I mean, I'm glad you listened to the show and heard Andy and I talking about the ETN Leanne comeback tour, but apparently you missed the sarcasm font. We were joking. You weren't. Thus, well, Daisy. we don't believe you. You need more people. That is the end of our show. We want to thank you for tuning in. Join us next week as we continue our journey around the NBA. Follow the podcast on Twitter at NLP Podcast and like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash NLP Pod. That's N like Nick Batum, L like Lance Thomas, P like Perry Jones III. We will end as we always do with the great philosopher Jason White Chocolate Williams, who once probably thought basketball is a lot like last call at the bar. Sometimes it's better to pass without looking. And with that, we bid you good night. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.